When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Real Vision Podcast Network. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Today is Monday, October 25th. I'm Ash Bennington, joined today by Tony Greer of the Nav- Morning Navigator. It's TG Monday. Boy, what a day here. I'm just looking at the screen just across right now. Dow and S&P 500 close at record highs. Lots going on, lots to talk about. Stocks rallying. We've got a rally going on in gold right now. Some record flow of funds into crypto. Much to talk about. Tony Greer, welcome back. Slash Bennington, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing great. Listen, man, I'm sitting in my apartment right before we're about to go on air, and I get a, I get a text message from my buddy Brant from grammar school. You're a little nervous when you get a text message in the middle of the afternoon from one of your friends from grammar school. You hope everything's okay. I look at my phone and I see, TG Monday? What's the occasion? Exactly. Just filling in here, keeping it contiguous and smooth at Real Vision. You know what I mean? Yeah. So talking to continuous and smooth, man, look at this. 35,742, the close on the Dow. S&P 500 record close, 4,566. We got a rally going here. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we have been talking about is transpiring on the screens, Ash. So I feel good about what's going on in the markets. We are gone. We have gone out uh, today, bid a new closing high for the S&P. Um, in terms of the rotation, it is a very, very dangerous rotation if you're bearish this thing or thinking that this is about to end anytime soon. Um, I continue to see oil and gas at the top of the leaderboard. I continue to see metals and mining at the top of the leaderboard. I continue to see Bitcoin at the top of the leaderboard. Um, This is a blatant inflationary rotation weighted in energy. The oil market won't stop right now. We've got spreads tightening up in the WTI crude oil market. We've got natural gas now bouncing off of 200-day moving average support where it sat and rotated and consolidated for a couple of weeks. Now we've got a big two sigma 12% liftoff in natural gas fueling the energy fire. So you can see, Ash, that you know every time you turn around, every time you think that maybe a dull market in commodities might mean a lower price or something like that, we run into that baton handoff of the commodity complex. Now, today, it's natural gas. Um, We've got other commodities like nickel bringing up the rear, up 3%, things like that. So every day, it's a new commodity at the top of the leaderboard. And when they take turns like that in varying states of large magnitude moves, I mean, you know, these energies are still in a move toward another zip code as far as I'm concerned. It looks like we're still going to that $100 WTI number. Nothing's changed my view there. Natural gas, I'm not going to pick a target. But if that thing's back on its horse, the energy complex and energy stocks are going to be bid only for a while. And we're going to see breakouts winning like they continue to do in names like Range Resources, um, Cheese and Tesla of all stocks today. 
yeah. um, in U.S. steel making a comeback now. Um, one of the sectors trying to get back on its feet. So, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. And I keep coming up all bullish equities and I'm happy to kick tire to kick the tires on my view and to try to bump, punch some holes in it, but I still coming up all bulls across the board in equity. So if anybody's got any arguments, I'd love to talk about that case. But with tightness in actual physical commodities, tightness on the supermarket shelves, tightness in the crude oil markets, this is going to be with us, and we are in the power curve of the trade. Yeah. Uh, talking about equity markets, Tony, let's take a look at that chart, S&P 500. This is a chart 12 months, uh, I think, or year to date. Let me take a look. It looks like uh, it looks like a year to date here. Uh, it looks yeah. like it's just, you know, it's 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 a run up from about 3750 to, to where we closed out the day today at 4566. Uh, it's been a hell of a run. Technically speaking, as it has, you know, and when we come out of tests like the Evergrande test, like we had three weeks ago, and the market is pounding support over days in and days out. And, you know, coming out on top, you know, we this time in the S&P dip, we reached the 100-day moving average. We traded through it. We held it again. And now we got into that mode of blue sky trading where we recapture all the moving averages and we start focusing on the recent high. Through that old high with, you know, commodity strength up on top of the leaderboard, um, the, the fascinating thing and one of the most important parts of this rally to me, Ash, are um, as Facebook revenues and earnings come across the tape here, it yeah. um, looks like a little bit weaker than expect. Uh, no, I'm not going to make that call yet. You can look at the numbers while we're like, talking. It looks like a. Uh, it looks like it's a beat on uh, earnings. Thirty three dollars and twenty two cents versus three nineteen per share uh, from Refinitiv. Uh, but on revenue, it appears to be a miss. Uh, twenty nine billion actual versus twenty nine spot fifty seven billion expected by analysts. So, you know, as we know, the stock reaction is going to be everything. We'll see what happens in the overnight markets. We'll see where it comes in tomorrow morning. But, you know, Facebook now is testing the 200 day moving average support zone for the second time since the whistleblower came out, right? The whistleblower, I don't know, I really don't want to discuss what I actually think of the whistleblower, but the stock is on its heels. And now it's going through the situation where it's talking about this makeover, right? And I think it's going to go through this makeover because everybody knows now that they continued to, you know, employ practices that keep teenage girls engaged and start having negative psychological effects. The cat's out of the bag with all of the horrible stuff Facebook has done. And it looks like the stock is finally reacting. So to this point is one of the most important points to this equity rally, Ash. Higher yields because of the inflation, because of headline inflation, because of the commodity rally. Higher yields are supposed to knock technology back a couple of steps. And it seems like it's doing that to big cap technology. Legacy technology leaders like Apple, Google, and Facebook are suddenly on their heels. But look what's making new highs on a regular basis, cloud storage, software sectors. So the rotation within technology is still coming up net, net neutral for the markets. And as you can see, if these industrial sectors, cyclical sectors, energy sectors, and uh, let's call it retail driven sectors can get back on their feet again, you know, and technology won't break down despite higher yields. You know, that's why I get so bullish the S&P. I would have expected that maybe Microsoft, Google and Apple would be cascading lower as yields went higher. 
they're they're kind of holding their own. They're backing off a little bit, but now software and cloud storage are rallying to new highs. So this for me is a really powerful dynamic in stock session. I just try, I'm trying to make sure that I've communicated that to my clients over the last several weeks. I feel like I have, and now we're just going to have to sit back and see where this thing lands. Yeah, well said. A comprehensive framework. Let me just say this about about Facebook uh, and uh, the other social media stocks. And I'm going to be a diplomat here today. I think that the for me. Uh, the headline is, it doesn't really matter which side of the aisle you're on. Uh, these companies are, to a certain extent, a political football right now. Why is that? Well, here's the reality. It, at their inception, both Facebook and Twitter made the same argument. Look, we're just building the pipes. We build the scaffolding. People come and they post what they want to post. They say what they want to say. We're a tech company. We're not a media company. We shouldn't be thought of as a media company. This was the argument that Facebook and Twitter and some of the others have made. I think it becomes increasingly untenable to make that statement. Uh, it's very clear that rules are being made by these uh, social media giants. You may love them, you may hate them. The reality is the rules benefit someone. That means they also disadvantage someone else. Uh, and it's also very clear uh, that they are uh, de facto in the content business, whether they want to be or not. Uh, and how that plays out, how it hashes out, how they balance those priorities, uh, how they try to square the circle, that's going to be what we're going to be looking at. And I only bring it up because it's an important point for investors. If you're invested in these stocks, if you're interested in investing in these stocks, these are considerations that you very much now need to take under advisement. Yeah, and you know, even more so as that narrative that you you very well encapsulated there, where you know everybody public opinion is changing toward these companies, right? As they get more mature, as their use case is more mature, right? We've been using Facebook, they've been using Facebook for years now. And this, you know, the stock's seeing a little bit of a pullback. Do I think this is fatal for Facebook? Probably not, unless there's a really major change going on um, underneath the surface where big tech is actually going to be the sector that pulls back here. Maybe it is going to be led by Facebook with higher yields. Maybe Google is going to be another stock that has seen its best days during lockdowns, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, the dynamic for me, Ash, is as long as the rest of the technology sector is hanging in while big cap tech is under pressure, you know, that creates an even more dangerous scenario for the upside. If the rest of technology holds in and all of a sudden big tech catches a bid, you'll see the indices just leapfrog each other to the next level in the index. Right. So that's what kind of, you know, I'm on the lookout for here. You know, think about it. Facebook holds 320, comes out with good earnings. People come out and buy it. This rallies to 350. That's positive for the S&P from here. So something yeah. to consider, something to consider. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back to Real Vision's Daily Briefing. Let's get right back to the top analysis of today's markets. You know, talking about tech and risk asset classes, let's talk a little bit about crypto. I have a chart that I want to show you here. Uh, this is the weekly flow of funds, a flow of crypto assets uh, 
from this comes to us uh, from CoinDesk. But take a look at this chart. For those of uh, you who are listening to this, uh, let me describe it for you really uh, quick. So you see a lot of bouncing around between 2013 and 2018. Looks like it peaks around 2018, then it rolls down. You see a lot of uh, sort of uh, movement around the origin, and then it just goes. Well, I, I don't even know if parabolic covers it. Hyperbolic, maybe. It looks like 1.47 billion uh, of flow into crypto assets on a weekly basis. This is far and away the highest number we've ever seen in this. Uh, just take a look at the chart. It shows it very clearly. Uh, Tony, what are your thoughts there? Obviously, we've got some ETFs, some futures ETFs trading now uh, on Bitcoin. Uh, what's your thought about the space right now as you hear this record being set on flow of funds? Uh, my initial thought right now is that it's a sale as in terms of tactical trading, but that's a very short-term trading perspective from a guy that just waited, you know, 10 months to wade into this security, right? So um we, we got we got to a point where obviously Bitcoin got back on its feet as a great inflation hedge. Last week it got probably the best Bitcoin commercial that we could have seen life to date. Paul Trudeau Jones coming on and sort of breaking the gold bugs hearts on CNBC with Aaron Sorkin saying, I hate to tell you all, but Bitcoin is the better inflation hedge, right? What have we been saying, Ash? We've been looking back over the last year, every time you and I get together, hey guys, Bitcoin's up a couple hundred percent. Gold, meh, right? I don't like trading, meh. I don't meh price action doesn't get me excited. Gold looks like it's 1800. Looks like it's been 1800. Looks like it's consolidating around 1800. I don't know, right? Bitcoin blasting through the highs. Like you said, the ETFs are coming onto the board. Obviously, we're opening up Bitcoin investing to a massive amount of people who may have loved the idea, but I'm not going to download Coinbase and start putting a wallet on and something I'd uh, eh. Right. That's a little scary. It's a little scary. It was scary for me when I did it myself. And I'm a trader. So now you've got people that say. Paul Tudor Jones thinks this is a better hedge. I can now buy it right here at my broker. Inflation is happening right in the newspaper. I can see that with my eyes. That is evidence based investing. I should probably buy some of this ETF. Right. So right now we've got the basic, you know, really simple building blocks of investment going into these ETFs. And what are they going to have to do? They're going to have to go to the markets and procure actual Bitcoin to back up that performance that they're selling to people. So with these new players in the markets, we've got a new dynamic. And, and I want to just finish where I started off, Ash. For me, yeah. it's, it happens to be a sale only because when I noticed Paul Tudor Jones talking about it and it's printing a brand new high, rather than high five my partner that we're long Bitcoin, I like to say, cool, let's sell a little bit. Right. And now, if you look, you'll see that the prices that it was churning at while Mr. Paul Tudor Jones, everyone's favorite hedge fund investor, I know he's mine, is talking positively about Bitcoin, but the price is no longer appreciating. It's churning. And now you see we're a couple thousand dollars lower. That's why I think this is still a sort of um, short term sale for the run up from 40 to 60 was blindingly fast. Right, this thirty percent rally in Bitcoin is the example exactly of why it's a bucking bronco to trade. If you were short that, you got mashed quickly without very little chance to get out. Right, so that's the kind of thing that uh, builds character into this Bitcoin move here for traders. I happen to think that I get one more chance to buy it in the low fifty Ks, and then I think it's gone. 
So that's how I'm, I'm getting a little bit cute, but I'm very nervous holding on to my full position at the highs in Bitcoin when I was fortunate enough to get in a little bit cheaper. I need to trade this thing because I'm new to it and I'm trying to learn it. So that's my view, soup to nuts right there, Ash. Long run, we're in great shape. We're gonna blast through 70K soon. I happen to think the next 10K is down. Mm, interesting. I should also add that there are those who would say uh, that the ETFs are not the best way uh, for most investors to own this because of uh, roll costs and some associated fees and some uh, just weird structural stuff with the way the ETF is constructed. You're basically paying two different sets of fees on it uh, compared to owning the underlying. But to your point, Tony, it really does uh, seem like very much a, a proxy for the money that wants to get involved in this space, but for whether reason, whether it's an investment charter, whether it's hesitation about setting up your own wallet, uh, it suggests that there may be uh, some people who are just looking to get some cash to work here. That's right. And the setup for me, Ash, as you explained, is sort of, it's it's a very um, reactionary positive setup for Bitcoin. And, you know, if you kind of just take a step back and look at the lay of the land and you say, okay, if this thing just rallied from 40K to 60K, and then they opened the door for retail investors. I'm sure that we have a lot of retail investors participating, but if you were smart enough to be in this along the way, in the textbook of macro tactical trading, this is still a place where you make a good sale. Up against historic resistance, sentiment as positive as it's ever been, right? It's about, it's almost as far away Bitcoin from the 200 day moving average as it tends to get before it backs off. So, you know, the, the, the roadmap to me is just that this is a place for it to, that, where you can let some out in the uh, idea that you could buy it cheaper. And I'm sure a lot of people will be looking to buy it cheaper as well. So that may change the dynamic and push it away from me. But I think that's a good narrative to follow as far as I can tell. Yeah. Hey, Tony, you mentioned the inflation hedge scenario there. I wanted to take a look uh, at a clip uh, from an interview that we did here at Real Vision with Rick Bensignor, uh talking about precisely that point, uh, available for all tiers, Essential Plus and Pro members. Let's take a look at the clip. So on the front cover of our institutional report, we review 10 markets, global markets, uh, the dollar, bonds, uh, oil, CRB, a couple of major stock index futures, some emerging markets and emerging market bonds. I'm not sure if I got to gold stocks or in there and gold. Um, so it's a mixture of commodities, the dollar, stock indexes, and, and bonds, both uh, local and, and um, overseas. And the relationship between all these, where they are, in relation to each other, as well as relation to their prior price movements, gives me a very good sense of how investors are positioned for both risk on, risk off, as well as inflation or deflation. From September of 2020 through this summer, investors were rampantly uh, risk on with uh, and positioned for inflation. Since the summer, the degree to which they were positioned for inflation has tamed. And last week, last, you know, when we put this out Sunday night, the model, the, the, the way the table actually lined up, it was the least inflation uh, positioned view that we've seen in 2021. 
So here's the long and short of it. In Rick's analysis, uh, he sees uh, decreasing in, in, in positioning uh, for inflation. He saw it very strong uh, from uh, September uh, through the summer, September of 2020 through the summer. And now he sees, in his view, his analysis, uh, investors backing off on their inflation positioning. Tony, what are your thoughts? I kind of feel like the boat is going the other way. I'm not going to argue with the methodology um, that Rick came up with that that um, scenario. I'm, I'm sure that it's accountable. Um, I feel like we keep seeing evidence that hands are getting forced into the commodity markets or into more inflation hedges on their books rather than less. Um, when it starts with the commodity markets, when two weeks ago you saw zinc have a 20% week, you know what I mean? When I see that, to me, that's evidence of somebody's hand being forced in the markets. And I'm not sure whether it's somebody that's got to buy it for a project or somebody that's got to cover short. Um, but to me, that is sort of very kinetic action in base metals. And, you know, and then you see things like other commodities shooting off and you see other sectors breaking out and breakouts winning, which to me is the money flow coming into those markets. So I could be wrong, but I'm kind of playing it as, you know, the each time we leg higher in these energy sectors and in the base metal sectors in transportation, to me, that is people's hands being forced that are portfolio managers saying, oh, more inflationary data, S&P pinned to the high, my book doesn't have enough stocks for what's about to happen, take the limit off, buy more, right? And so that, that's kind of how I've been seeing people manage this uh, firsthand from our execution desk and also from having conversations with um, hedge funds around the world. I feel like... Um, I feel like there's guys that say, man, I wish I had more of this trade on and kind of the higher it goes or being forced into it. But that's just a different angle. You know, it's, it is a little bit of a brushstroke type of interpretation positioning in the markets. I will say that. Let me add a couple of brushstrokes to that. I'm looking at the screens right here. Uh, it looks like so obviously it's a beat on earnings, a miss on revenue. Facebook after hours is that is my screen right up to two and a quarter percent? Entirely possible, Ash. I mean, this thing closed on technical support with a double bottom at the 200-day moving average. It could bounce a couple of percent, Ash, but it looks like in the New York time zone, we've seen sellers, right? So you, you may see uh, the absence of that heavy-handed seller that is you know, trying to trade this thing when the most liquidity is taking place. Um, and it may bounce. You know, I'm not really make. I'm trying not to make a call on Facebook. I'm just trying to present both sides that it could yep. bounce in the pre-market, but like we've observed, it, you know, it opens up a couple of days in New York, and somebody is lightening up their position in this stock. That's for sure. Um, you know, it's probably changing hands into a stronger holder down here at the 200-day. But it's definitely a battle going back and forth, and it'll be interesting. You know, all everything that we're saying right now is conjecture. Let's see where Facebook closes on Friday afternoon, right, Ash? That's going to be the that's going to be the sort of that that'll be the referendum on how earnings were because if a couple weekends come out and buy it because they're cheerleading this one report and that bigger picture seller says doesn't change for us don't love the makeover not a verge fan don't like the way this is going I want out yeah you know then then we may see a very different complexion on Facebook on Friday's close but like I said I'm not trying to make a call bullish or bearish I'm going to let that thing steer the indices for me a little bit now. I'm going to get a T-shirt printed up that says Price Trump's Philosophy. Ooh, I like that. I'm always looking for good pithy trading stuff, especially for merch. That's a really good call, Ash. I may run that by the uh, run that by management. Yeah, Morning Navigator merch. It sounds like a good one. Oh, yeah. uh, 
We're going to take another quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome back to Real Vision's Daily Briefing. Let's get right back to the top analysis of today's markets. While we're talking about Facebook here, let me also throw over to uh, Tesla. Interesting story here with Tesla. Obviously, the news today uh, that Hertz uh, is going to buy 100,000 Teslas. That's $4.2 billion in revenue uh, for Tesla. Largest purchase of electric vehicles ever. I mean, you know... It's the scary part of the self-fulfilling ESG prophecy, right? If if Hertz decides they wants to have elect- they want to have electronic vehicles and they're going to buy all the chargers and all the infrastructure, it's free market and and they are absolutely allowed to do that. And I'm sure people will be excited to rent them. So I'm definitely not going to uh, poo-poo that call at all, especially when Tesla closes at one thousand twenty-five dollars bid on a day that that news comes out with a five standard deviation breakout. So for me, that's never something that I stand in the way of. Um, uh, Frightening, frightening as could be that Elon Musk is sailing away with the richest man in the world. Title right now, especially as you know, we're trying to put this big ESG trade on the tape as a nation, where we pivot to more electronics, less carbon. Uh, so yeah, exactly, that's right. More electricity, I should say, less carbon, uh, more wind power and solar power. But as we know, in reality, we're probably not going to be getting too many planes up in the air on solar power, and we're not going to run that many cars on wind power. And we're still a majority of fossil fuel environment, as can be seen by the bid in those commodities on the screen. So um, it's very interesting how the carbon neutral trade slash ESG trade is panning out, right? Tesla is becoming bigger. Oil stocks are still small, but not going away. You know, if you look at that relationship, you know, you still got Tesla running away on the upside. So electronics are still performing. The ESG story is still alive. And maybe it just takes a couple of winners without power before we learn our lesson. But we'll get to the end game of this eventually, Ash. Yeah, you know, I also think that some of it's just the coolness factor with Tesla. It's obviously a very hot car. The interiors are awesome. They've got those massive uh, screens. They're apparently very fun to drive. Uh, some of it may just be there's just demand. Uh, people want to just get behind the wheel and take one of these uh, bad daddies for a spin. Yeah, there's no argument that there's a certain um, appeal to to driving the electric car. It's not a bad looking item, not my particular taste, but I'm not one that's in charge, right? Let's just watch the markets and see how the markets absorb them. But that headline out of Hertz today, holy smokes, not something I would fade on any level. Yeah, it looks like closing out the day at 1,024 spot 86, up 12.6%. By the way, after hours, only up fractionally, uh, another 2.6 points uh, or zero spot 26%. 52-week high today just hit on Tesla. You know what else is at the top of the leaderboard today, Ash, along the uh, lines of our crypto trade that's panning out is Coinbase is starting to put in several large magnitude moves within the same move. Um, to me, that's starting to show signs that this IPO dip may be over. And man, you know, I'm kicking myself, Ash, because I had my clients in Coinbase in the 
probably high 200s. Um, I pitched out of the name with like a small loss, if not a scratch, to to de-risk my book at one point saying, I know this thing is going to be right at one point. And we're at that point right now where I am in that horrible position for a trader, wishing I was in a trade, but I'm out. Right. So I'm watching Coinbase. It's exploding from 250 to three and a quarter now, a massive move in a very short period of time. This thing is back on my radar screen because I just feel like the combination of institutions and more retail money looking to get into that inflation hedge that Mr. Tudor Jones told us all is the better one. You know, this the recipe is just there for Coinbase to take off now. And I just want to state that I'm extremely bullish that stock, given what's happened, even though I've been in it and passed out of it as a trader for my clients. I just have to openly admit that that's one of the trades that I didn't time properly, but it's happening. So it's interesting to see. Yeah. And a little of the context there, it ran up to, I think, about 340 uh, in right after the IPO, major dip back down to about uh, looks like around 225. Uh, and then it's been running up uh, ever, uh, basically since, uh, well, since uh, call it uh, October 3rd. So the beginning of this month, big run up from looks like around 2.30 to where we closed out the day uh, today, 3.25, spot 54 up, 8.2% on the day. And as you can see, that matches the bullish bullish price action in the ETFs. It manages the positive sentiment. It man it matches retail flow, trying to get exposure to cryptocurrency in a number of different ways. Just might be a vehicle that you want to keep on your radar screen in the short term, Ash. That's all I want to say for the traders out there looking for some alpha. Hey, speaking of vehicles, Tesla now a one trillion dollar company in market cap. <sighs> man. <laughs> I mean, there there are going to be. I mean, this is one story where you just feel bad for the bears, you know, because you can see their plight, you can see the reason that they want to short the stock, you can see the frustration that they have um, with Elon Musk being the sort of you know P.T. Barnum of the of the securities industry, and the problem is right now is that he has got the product that the world is after, that that is virtuous to be part of. And you know that's a very, very scary narrative to try to fade in the United States right now. So looks like we're going to see more of this. Tony, we just blew through the entire half hour. Hard to believe this one just flew by. But I want yeah. to just jump jump in here and, and maybe run a few minutes long just so we can hit uh, some questions. Want to do a quick speed round? Go. All right. Here's one comes to us from Jonas from Real Visions Exchange, our internal social media site. Uh, the question is, uh, and I'm going to read his question. I'm going to make it a little bit more general because it's about gold. We know there's been a five-day rally here in gold. Uh, and the question is, I wonder why gold analysis is so centered around U.S. interest rates when the absolute majority of physical demand is coming from China and India. Are ETF flows over emphasized? Good question from Jonas L. Jonas, that's a great question. I'll be honest with you. I like to pose that to some of the gold experts in my Slack channel um, because everyone's got an opinion on it right now. I'm one of the few standing no opinion guys on gold right now. Um, I read Jared Dillian's piece this morning, who I'm replacing on the Real Vision Daily Briefing today. I'm taking his spot uh, just to help him out with the scheduling conflict. And he makes a really good case, right? And I tweeted this morning that, you know, as, as a typical trader tweet, like Dillian's bullish gold today, right? And I, I tweeted it with a Kanye face that basically has no expression. And what I'm trying to highlight with highlight to people is, you know, I don't have gold on 
everybody kind of gave up on gold a little bit. It's still around 1800 and smart guys are getting bullish again. So, you know, that's, that's me saying, I, you know, I definitely have this fear that, yeah, because of gold, because of inflation, gold might take off from here. But still, if you're going to start a race from, from ground zero, Ash, from here, based on an inflation narrative developing, which one do you want to hold? Do you want to, you want to hold the yellow metal that's down 6% on the year? Maybe it gets back to flat. Or do you want to be long the one that's up 400, 500% on the year that could go up another 100% in a bid offer? You know, so that that's why I kind of been leaning toward, you know, Bitcoin's the easier trade. Bitcoin's going up easy. Gold is just a battle right down to the freaking closing bell, down to the eight o'clock in the morning raids every day. It's just an uphill fight being long gold. I don't have that much energy anymore. I really don't. I just don't have that much energy to fight it anymore. And I hope that I have no problem having gold double from here and the gold bulls can make all the money in the world. They deserve it for waiting this out. I see a thousand better trades right now that are performing alongside this inflation story that I can attach the morning navigator to and sail away. I'm going to keep doing my thing and let the gold bugs do their thing. Well, you have limitless energy for the Real Vision Daily Briefing, and we always appreciate you coming on. Tony, any final thoughts you'd like to leave our viewers with? Oh, man. Well, yeah, you know, you, you nailed it, Ash. We've got to keep an eye on that Facebook uh, earnings and see where the Friday close pans out, because that's the actual referendum on how the earnings went. Pre-market math, don't really care as much. Tomorrow, I'll be interested, but Friday, I'll be sitting on the edge of my seat with the popcorn out to see where that thing closes. So, you know, um, we are in... I, I, I sound a little bit like a broken record, but we're in the power curve of the equity trade. Breakouts win. Commodities continue to lead. If the energy complex continues to lead, you know that we're going to have food inflation to follow. You know that base metal prices are going to have to go up because we are pushing right towards the greener economy as Hertz is leading the way in headline and showing us today. So, you know, that's just more of a confirmation that we are going to be continuing to draw a lot of natural resources from Mother Earth that may not be as widely available as the market is used to. And so, therefore, to me, that's why it's totally natural to see curves tightening up, um, spot prices rallying, um, and inflation, headline inflation rearing its ugly head. I still think we have a lot more to go with that headline inflation number. And if we do, the prices on the screen are still wrong. Tony, when the thesis is working, you never have to worry about sounding like a broken record here. That's for sure, man. You know, if as long as it's working, knock on wood, we'll keep going with it. And uh, if it doesn't work, we'll trade our way out of it also. Tony Greer, thanks for joining us again. Great to be here, Ash. Thanks for giving me a chance. And thanks again for watching the Real Vision Daily Briefing. In the meantime, come chat with us on the Real Vision Exchange. We'll see you tomorrow when I sit down with Jared Dillian. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.